This is an AI Group podcast. In this podcast, we'll be discussing the most significant workplace relations issues of the past month. The full members-only report is available on our website at aigroup.com.au. It's in the policy section under workplace relations policy and advocacy. With me today, as usual, I'm talking to Stephen Smith, the Head of National Workplace Relations Policy at AI Group, and I'm Tony Melville, our group's Head of Communications. So today we've got four issues, so we'll just get started with the first one, which is probably some of the biggest IR news of the year, and that's the High Court overturning the Federal Court's problematic interpretation of the personal carer's leave provisions of the Fair Work Act, and that's the Mondelez versus AMWU case. So that was very good news, uh, Stephen, and it was pretty long time and hard work coming. Yes, this has been going on for about three years, this case. It started in the Fair Work Commission, then moved into the full federal court, and then ultimately before the High Court. And the whole thing was about the meaning of the phrase 10 days of paid personal carer's leave in Section 96 of the Fair Work Act. You know, what does that mean for, say, 12-hour shift workers? What does it mean for part-time employees? And it's a very good decision for employers. The High Court, four to one, has said that a day is a nominal day. So, for example, if you are a 12-hour shift worker, you get, um, and you're working a 38-hour week, you get 76 hours of personal carer's leave as an employee, not 120 hours. And if you're a part-time worker working 20 hours a week, you get 40 hours of personal carer's leave a year, not 10 days. So this is going to save employers about $2 billion a year in additional costs. Okay. And this case went on for quite some time. I believe you were in the High Court yourself. What was that experience like and what argument won the day? Yes, AI Group Workplace Lawyers represented Mondelez in the Federal Court and the High Court proceedings. Uh, we briefed uh, Stuart Wood QC on behalf of Mondelez and the argument was really all about what is the meaning of a day. Is a day a calendar day? Is a day uh, a nominal day in effect that it's a fifth of a week? Um, and so after a lot of argument and you know, a very large number of authorities, the High Court has ruled on the issue, which puts it to bed. But very pleasingly and importantly, the, the, the leading judgment of uh, uh, three of the High Court judges said that the alternative interpretation that the Federal Court supported and also the AMWU argued would lead to absurd results and inequitable outcomes and was not consistent with the fairness that the Fair Work Act was designed to promote. So very strong comments from the High Court and the issues being put to bed. The In response to the decision, the Fair Work Ombudsman just uh, over the past couple of days has reissued the Fair Work Information Statement, which uh, every employer has to give to new employees and it clarifies the meaning of uh, what uh, this term 10 days means. Were some employers actually paying um, 
money that they have now saved? (laughs) Sorry, I've got to rephrase that. Had had they been applying it or were they waiting for the outcome of this court case? Uh, A lot of employers were waiting for the outcome. Some, no doubt, uh, have passed on these new entitlements and the issue of whether or not they're able to um, adjust will need to be looked at individually with the relevant employees. But, you know, obviously if it's really just an adjustment of accruals, that's a lot easier to put into effect than a circumstance where someone's actually been given uh, additional leave and they've been paid for that leave. That that would be very difficult to recoup uh, uh, at this stage. Okay, so I guess call the advice line if you're in any doubt. Yes, and talk through the individual circumstances. Okay, but anyway, very good news and a lot of money saved, and there's another case we'll get to in a minute, which hopefully will go the same way. Uh, But the second thing we wanted to touch on briefly was, because they're ongoing, is the government's IR Working Party. So they were established in May to look at potential areas for industrial relations reform. What's the progress on those, Steve? Well, there, there are five of these working groups um, looking at five topics. The first one is compliance and enforcement. The second one is Greenfields agreements for major projects. The third one is the enterprise agreement-making system. The fourth one is about award simplification in industry sectors heavily impacted by the pandemic. And the fifth one is on casuals and fixed-term employment. Uh, AI Group's involved in all five of the working groups, and it's a a very intensive process. The groups are meeting every two weeks up until really the end of September. Um, And, you know, the deliberations of the working groups are are confidential, so I can't can't say a lot about where things are up to, but uh, rest assured, AI Group is working very hard to achieve meaningful and important outcomes in the uh, workplace relations system. I'll I'll see if I can breach your wall of silence there a bit. I mean, are are you confident that there could be some breakthrough areas of agreement within all of this, or is it, um, will there just be, you know, small areas of change? You're hopeful this is going to be significant? Well, I think everyone is, is hopeful that the changes are going to be significant in all of those areas, there are major issues that uh, are on the agenda, of course. Um, You know, these working groups are chaired by Attorney General Christian Porter, and there are five uh, employer reps and five union reps on each working group. So, um, uh, you know, at the end of this process, um, it it will be clear what has been achieved, but... uh, we're obviously working very hard. Okay, so possibly even by the end of this month, you'd, you'd hope? By the end of September, the, the process is, uh, you know, operating in the lead-up to the October budget, so you, you would assume some announcements will be made before that. Okay. Now, the, now I mentioned before, the other high court case, and well, hopefully a high court case, is the Rosato case, and I think we haven't been in the high court for two years on a, on a big case, and now there are... There are two on the trot. So this relates to the workplace application to the High Court for special leave to appeal the full federal court decision on workplace versus Rosato. So that's about the meaning of a casual employee under the Fair Work Act. And this one is huge financial implications. Where are we at with that? 
Yes, so WorkPAC have applied for special leave to appeal the decision of the full federal court in the WorkPAC versus Rosato case. The most employers would be aware of, of this case and the earlier WorkPAC versus Skeen case of two years earlier. You know, this goes to two issues essentially. What is the meaning of a casual employee for the purposes of the Fair Work Act and the entitlements in the National Employment Standards in the Act? And secondly, uh, if a casual loading has been paid to an employee, can that additional amount be offset against the entitlements that a person might have if they're deemed to not have been uh, a true casual, if you like. So, you know, if someone is able to say, well, I wasn't a casual and sustain that argument, uh, I'm entitled to annual leave, they, they would then argue, can an employer offset the casual loading that's been paid in lieu of annual leave? So the, the full federal court handed down a very problematic decision that said that Mr Rosato, an, an employee of WorkPAC, even though he was engaged as a casual and he was paid as a casual, the court said, well, he wasn't uh, a casual for the purposes of the Fair Work Act and awarded him annual leave and various other entitlements. They also um, decided that WorkPAC couldn't offset the additional remuneration that had been paid uh, because he was a casual. Now, that is the subject of a special leave application to the High Court. That um, matter hasn't yet been determined by the High Court, but there are two estimates of the, the cost of uh, this full federal court decision. One is by AI Group's chief economist that the cost would be $14 billion if the decision's not overturned. The federal government has intervened in the case and their estimate is even higher, that the costs would be somewhere between $18 billion and nearly $40 billion if all of the regular casuals were entitled to um, annual leave and other entitlements of uh, full-time employees. So effectively double-dipping, we're, we're arguing that would be double-dipping if this was allowed. Yeah, so it would be, in, in the employer's argument, um, blatant double-dipping you know, why should a casual that's been paid a casual loading be entitled to annual leave and sick leave and redundancy pay and other things that the loading was paid in lieu of? So it's an extremely important case. But it's not. So the government, the federal government has intervened uh, some time back, but now announced some of the details of their case, but it's still not been uh, scheduled for hearing yet? The application was filed in mid-June and then there's a process of, you know, submissions being filed and replies and responses. Um, so based on the usual timing, the High Court is likely to issue a decision in late September or early October on whether they're going to grant special leave to WorkPAC to appeal the decision. If they do grant special leave, then the matter will be programmed for uh, the final hearing of the appeal with, again, all the exchanges of submissions and so on. So it'll be uh, several months uh, of activity in this, uh, this case. But, uh, and, and, and without confusing it with the IR reform process, we're also arguing for 
legislation that would uh, fix this uh, and before any outcome in the High Court, correct? Well, casual employment is the subject of one of these working parties and, you know, obviously can't these, talk about these issues okay, are central to that. the deliberations. No, so we need, we'll need to wait on that one, but it is a, an absolutely huge, of huge implications for business. Now, just the final one, uh, under JobKeeper, linked with that as well, there were special provisions for stand-down for companies getting that. Now, I understand that's also going to be extended. Um, yes, in the current session of Parliament that continues from the 24th of August until the 3rd of September, uh, an important bill is going to be considered, and that is to extend the Fair Work Act provisions that provide uh, rights to employers that are eligible for the JobKeeper scheme to issue particular types of directions uh, and reach agreement on, on certain matters. Um, now, that's a really important piece of legislation that expires on the 28th of September. So this new bill would extend the provisions in the Fair Work Act uh, up until the end of March, and it, uh, it will provide important uh, rights to employers to assist in the, uh, the recovery and the survival of lots of businesses that are obviously struggling through the pandemic. Very useful provisions. Okay, we'll end it there. This month's significant workplace relations issues, the full members-only report is on our website, aigroup.com.au. Go to the policy section under workplace relations, policy and advocacy. Thanks to Stephen Smith, our group head of national workplace relations. And that's all for now. Talk to you next time. <laughs>